0: If you've got your Bibles, we're continuing with our um, series on Acts. So it's starting with Acts 19, verse 8. So that's where we're starting this morning. So if you could uh, find that place, that would be great. So if we just uh, read that together. So it starts at uh, Acts 19, verse 8, going through to 21. Um, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, urging, persuading about the kingdom of God. I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they had calculated the value of the scrolls, their total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. Okay. So there's our starting point. Um, just a, a couple of things to cover. Uh, one of the things, the way, it, that, that we're talking about the way and, and uh, interesting, one of the worship songs this morning was, was talking about the way. And before Christians were called Christians, all right, um, they were referred to as the people of the way. Uh, the way to salvation, the way to Christ, the way to freedom. Uh, okay, so uh, when when uh, when Acts is talking about that, uh, that's uh, what's that's referring to. I'll just put that down. I'm going to need it again in a moment. But uh, I have four main points, which is uh, apparently a good thing for a sermon to have a few points. There we are. So uh, that's that's, the, that's where that's uh, starting off with. As a bit of an intro, uh, last time I preached, which is um, back in Acts 16, uh, the piece of scripture I had uh, was about um, a, a number of... Well, there was a whole chapter, so there was quite a lot going on. <laughs> and one of the things that went on in that chapter was that uh, um, a lady who was a fortune teller uh, was going around following Paul and uh, declaring this is the man who's preaching to you the true God and in the end he got so fed up with her he cast the demon out that was doing that and at the end of that the the word I brought uh, Graham got up and actually uh, had uh, felt prompted that God had spoken to him about all of the people who had got rid of their Uh, occultic scrolls, and so forth. Uh, And in the midst of my preach, I talked about dream catchers and horoscopes, and actually these were not good things to do. And the the word Graham brought was about, even if you spent a good bit of money on things like dream catchers or whatever, books on horoscopes or anything like that, the 50,000 drachma, which is equivalent to about 150 years' salary, it's not a small sum of money, That actually, if you have got some things around, get rid of them. And uh, very strangely, um, here I am um, preaching out of Acts 19 today with that very scripture in it. Okay, so uh, it's, uh, I think God wants to talk to us about some of the supernatural things that are going on in our world. We shouldn't be ignorant of these things. Uh, and uh, God wants to equip us to fight a fight, fight a battle. And uh, in 1 Timothy 6, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. All right, so one of, there's a couple of touch points when I'm going through this. that Actually, um, one of the commandments of God is believe and be baptized. Here we are getting ready for baptisms. Isn't that fantastic? And uh, believe and be baptized, to actually look back about when you became a Christian and what that declaration meant to you. And you declare it to others because actually becoming a Christian is probably the most exciting thing that ever happens to you. Probably is not a good good word to use. It is the most amazing thing. And actually, one of the things you want to do is tell everybody. Because it transforms your life and it gives you purpose. It gives you a, a whole new perspective on the world. So uh, here we are coming up to baptisms and and one of the things that this scripture is all around is about how truth changes your perspective, how the Word of God changes your perspective. It is active and can transform our thinking, our emotional state, our view of ourselves, the view of the world. It transforms all of that. And if God says, believe and be baptised, do you know what perhaps we should do? And the perhaps is a wrong bird again. Do you notice that? Because if you haven't been baptised, oh, wonderful. Why is it wonderful? Because actually I like doing things that God says do. And it has a blessing attached to it. So uh, my step one really is, uh, my main point uh, starts with, uh, who does God say you are? All right, so uh, our starting point in what I would class as uh A spiritual warfare chat this morning is that, one, there is warfare going on. The nice thing is we've already won. So when we start having a look at what does this mean that actually people get uh, delivered from evil spirits and so forth, what does that refer to? Well, first of all, we've got to understand who we are in Christ Uh, Who am I in Christ? Uh, Jesus um, and and the uh, scriptures actually tell us who we are. We are forever in victory. So one of the things to get hold of right the way at the beginning of uh, this word this morning is, who are you? All right. So who are you? I wonder who you are. Uh, And scripture tells us that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. There's a transformation. There's a making of new today. Or whenever you were born again, you became a new person. You became a new person in Christ. And because of that, the war is won. That doesn't mean there isn't battles, etc. And I'm sure that uh, most of us have struggles with all sorts of things. Uh, In Ephesians um, uh, 2.6, God uh, says this to us. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Where are you today? I'm in Christ. How does that really manifest itself? Well, actually, first of all, I have to believe it. First of all, I have to believe that I am in Christ and that Christ actually dwells in me. I was going through some challenges last year, made redundant, a few bits and pieces like that, and I can make light of them now because I'm in a different place. But actually at the time, one of the things that kept on coming to me was, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you my ever-present help in time of need. And I had this image of God standing next to me and following me around, never leaving me or ever forsaking me, which wasn't a bad image, but it was the wrong one. And the reason it's the wrong one is because actually Christ comes and takes residency up in me. So he doesn't follow me around and can get lost. He's actually in me. Uh, So here I am, seated in Christ, and Christ has taken up uh, a place in me. What a lovely, secure image of self. In 1 John 4, verse 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one that is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who are we talking about in the world? Satan and evil things. On my my next page, it says, Who's our enemy? And it's, it's... One of those true facts Scripture teaches uh, about who the enemy is. But the most important thing is not who the enemy is, but who you are. And who I am and who is in us. Who is in you is greater than him who is in the world. And that is Christ Jesus. What power is there that is greater? There is none. What light is brighter? There is none. And Jesus in you this morning, the hope of glory. Goodness me, that's going quick, isn't it? We're on to point two. <laughs> hey? Point two. Um, who is the enemy? Ephesians six twelve. That's where I, I'm going for this wonderful description. Okay. Uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So here's that sobering moment that actually says, hey, the New Testament talks about Satan, hell, demons, much more than the Old Testament does. And there's really good reason for that. Because until Jesus came on the scene, there wasn't the authority to deal with them. So uh, when we're having a look at scripture, one of the things that uh, I was having a conversation the other day about how many Christians really believe that hell is a real place. I wonder how many people really believe that the devil is a real being. He's not a human being. We get the description that he's a fallen angel. He's a created being. So when we're having a look at who or what this warfare is against, it's not against someone equal to God. The enemy came into the Garden of Eden. That's where it started. And we keep on seeing him crop up from time to time uh, and uh, doing things. So he started the war back in the Garden of Eden, deceiving and coming uh, against mankind, actually coming against God. And when we actually have a look at the the scriptures there, uh, we really get a glimpse of how he works. So when I was having this discussion about who believes, uh, I I referred back to an old friend of mine uh, who was with us in a church in Milton Keynes. And John was an ex-Druid priest, high priest actually he was quite senior had certificates and everything and at the time he was working on our pastoral care team and he had a real gift of discernment as you'd expect from his past experience God was using him amazingly to see lots of people set free Absolutely amazing. And his insight and so forth, because uh, as you use your gift, what happens? It grows, doesn't it? If, you're, if you've got a gift, you grow in that gift. The more you use it, the more you exercise it, the more proficient and actually the more aware uh, you become, and God can use you in that way. And uh, one of the things, uh, he pulled me aside on one occasion. He said, Paul, you're the first person I've heard preach and actually use the word hell in the preach, I think, since I got here four years ago. Now, if we are truly in a battle, and we are, the war is won, all right? <laughs> Let's go back to that. The war is won. If we're truly in a battle, we should know who we're fighting and what tools are useful in fighting the battle, okay? So, uh, and John was, one of the things John said is, is that he's so surprised when he's talking to people and ministering to people who are in bondage or have got issues in their lives, and 90% of the people that he was ministering to were Christians, all right? that actually some of these things are, uh, are not known. And, uh, uh, or they are something out of um, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, or they're a Harry Potter thing, or they're Voldemort, or they're this, that, and the other. And actually, no. Their fantasy, this is real. This is scripture. And uh, scripture's teaching us to be aware of where the battle is. And uh, it's, what it's trying to do is actually give us the right insight so that we can make our stand. When we've done all things, make your stand. So that's what this morning's about. Is one to actually think about who we are. We are thoroughly equipped for the battle, but actually we need to know how to use the weapons. Because actually I could give you all the weapons. You know, If, if I was to give you uh, 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 a... <laughs> a gun of some sort, a Glock 26, let's just say, 11 shots in the magazine, there you are. You're feeling safe with that, are you? No, I don't want to touch it, okay? No, I might hurt myself and I might hurt others, yes? Because unless you actually know how to use the weapons, you could be a danger to yourself and to others. So what what sort of weapons do we use? And actually nothing as diabolical as weapons of today. We're talking about spiritual warfare. So our weapons are that spiritual weapons so um, because we are equipped for the battle we are in Christ and Christ has already won the war so the nice thing is when Jesus came on the scene uh, as soon as he came across demon possessed people um, the demons in them would cry out what do you want with us because they recognize the authority and the key thing I suppose I want to say to you this is not a battle of power It's not a battle between God's power and Satan's power or our power and Jesus' power because actually Jesus has already won that war. The way Satan does his work and always has done is by lies and deceit. It's not by power, it's lies and deceit that he uses because if it was a power struggle, we all know that actually... He's already won. So let's have a little look at uh, a couple of the things. The war started back in the Garden of Eden and continued continued with the curse on Satan. So there he comes into the Garden and tries to upturn God's creation. Why? Because he's thrown out of heaven and he's coming down to actually uh, get a kingdom of his own. And he deceives uh, Adam and Eve, and uh, when God comes back, uh, everybody hides, and you know all about that. But the first curse that comes out of the Lord's mouth was actually upon Satan. It wasn't on Adam and Eve, it was on Satan. And if you actually have a look at uh, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 15, God declares on Satan that you will always have warfare or enmity against the descendants of Adam and Eve. And he also goes on to say, but their descendants will crush your head. And it's a reference to salvation of the cross because the descendants of Adam and Eve, standing in Christ, Christ crushed the enemy. So way back in Genesis 3, when the fall was happening, God had already planned for your and my salvation. Hallelujah. Even in the midst, there was an eternal plan for salvation and freedom for us all, even when we were going astray in the garden. Absolutely amazing. One of the things, just a couple of things that I put down here, perfect love casts out all fear. So when scripture tells us that Uh, There are so many areas of warfare, but one of the key things I felt that God was talking to me about was uh, not to start coming and teaching you to cast out demons. All right? And spiritual warfare has nothing to do with roaming around the town praying against principalities and powers. Scripture doesn't teach us that. Jesus, when he was traveling and came across people who had great need, he had compassion on them. And that's where those instances happened, when people were in need and in pain and in confusion, etc. And that's when Jesus came and used that authority to still the evil spirit and cast it out. And we see again and again, that's exactly what the saints did in the book of Acts. When people came, they didn't go wandering around the streets looking for it or thinking about where the strongholds might be over the city and things like that. And people have done strange things like that. What we're talking about here is actually how do I, how do you fight our ground when we get attacked? When we get attacked, what sort of things do we need? There are so many people, I'm sure that you know many too, that the prince of lies has deceived them and robbed them of their joy, have robbed them of their peace, who are not walking with victory and upright. We had uh, uh, the the, the words that were being brought this morning. I thought, fantastic, thank you, Lord, confirming it again. Uh, But actually, lift your head up. How many people do we know that are oppressed? How many people do we know? Now, one of the things I am not saying is that all sickness or depression or anything like that is the result of, a, of demonic activity. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it can be, but definitely not always. In fact, Satan quite often gets too much press for the things he's not doing. Okay? He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He can't see the future. He can't read your mind. He, he can't. He can't. Right? he has an all power that's not who he is so quite often we will think oh goodness me is that the enemy it's a good question but it's just as likely not to be as but if we're a Christian today we want to be able to sift where it is and what to do about it and that's a really important place of keeping and being free in the freedom Christ has given us so When we're having a look at who we are, one of the things that's really, really important to get hold of is that when the enemy comes against us, what he tries to do is try and steal your vision of yourself in Christ. He's got a couple of strategies, and we're just going to come on to some of those. But just before we move on to from who he is and what that army looks like, they are active. All right? They're not powerful, but they are active. And uh, they do do mischief. So, how to spot the enemy. How to spot the enemy. Um, when we have a look at Uh, that piece of Genesis 3 verse 15 uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Satan did was did God say did you pick up on that way back in Genesis did God say did he truly say when when we have a look at him again, and have a look at him tempting Jesus, you know, uh, one of the things he wanted to do was to get Jesus to work independently of God. He wanted him to be the person that uh, we all want to be. Do, do you like being liked? Yeah. Uh, is, is where do we get our value systems from? And uh, when we actually have a look at uh, what uh, and. Uh, satan does and and look at some of the things about him being the prince of lies there's a activity that he gets into that makes you wonder so i'm just going to give you a couple of examples all right so um one of the things that will happen is that god says believe and be baptized and some people will have my conversations have you ever been baptized no i've never been baptized why haven't you been baptized Oh, I don't know. Do I really need to? Do I? Yeah, I was christened when I was a child. Does that count? And you're all wondering, well, does it, Paul? Does it? <laughs> <laughs> does it? <laughs> and, uh, and the reality is, no, hold on, the Scripture says, believe and be baptised. Why? Because actually I like walking in the blessings of God. And when I obey God, you know, he blesses me. Isn't that amazing? Just super myself. Do I have to? No, we're not under law. But actually, I like being obedient because it releases more blessing. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, uh, we, we've been born again for a little while. Been, we, we were quite religious and i uh, and saved in this that, and the other, but we got spirit-filled, went to lively churches. And Anne said to me on one occasion, she said, have you heard about this tithing thing? Back in the day, right?'" What's that about? So, she said, well, I think you better look at it. So, of course, you do a Bible study, don't you? And then you're thinking, I can't afford this. <laughs> can't, I can't afford this. All right. Uh, and then, at some stage, because actually, you can't afford anything, then can you? Because actually, it's pretty difficult to manage your own finances. It's funny how God can do it better than me. I, mean, I don't know. Most of you who have lived by faith for a while, know that that's true. All right. Uh, and uh, you think, Could this be? What, what, what does it mean? Do I have to tithe? No, you're not under law. You don't have to. But it's not a bad starting point in obedience to God. And what does that do? Well, actually, what it does is releases God's blessing to you. Why? Because he likes that. He likes obedience. He likes it when we're not dependent on self. He loves that. What? When we're dependent on him, the Father. Yeah, he loves that, particularly on Father's Day. No, it's okay. It's every day. He loves that when we're dependent on him. So that, that, those are just two things. And there's lots of other things that you can actually think of. And you think, oh, why am I not doing that then? Well, because. Because. Is the word of God true or isn't it? Does it hold the keys to who we are? So spotting the enemy is, whenever I'm thinking, particularly in my own life, what does the word of God say and why wouldn't I do it? Or why am I not doing it? Now, some of the things are nothing to do with the enemy. They're to do with my old self. Uh, it's not me that sins, it's sin that's dwelling in me. What does that mean? Well, actually, I've got an old self. Before I was a Christian, okay, I had to live a life without God. And you, you, you will remember those times as a child and growing up, living without God, living out without that dependency, without that insight, etc. You had to find strategies to cope. You could have been at school. You could have been at home. You could have been in the workplace. And you've got to find ways of surviving and making the most of the situation. You're not living by faith. And in those sorts of situations, self comes up with strategies. And some of those strategies would be ungodly strategies. How do you get past those strategies? Because they're the old self, they're the old way of thinking, they're the old value systems. Quite a challenge. And then you've got this physical thing, this body. All right? So, as well as having an intellect, well, That's debatable. But as well as having an intellect and a mind and a personality, I've got this physical body. And it's got needs. Not as much chocolate as I eat, I've got to say. All right? But the body has needs. And the flesh, we're told, there's a battle between my flesh and my spirit. Because the old man is made up of my old thinking and the old flesh. That hasn't quite come under discipline as much as I'd like it to. God tells me how I should live my life in my thinking and in my physical being. And when I ask myself, am I living as God teaches me to, I've still got gaps. Anybody with me in that? Got some gaps? Okay. So if if you're looking at that, you're thinking, well, I've got some gaps. And uh, uh, and I need to put more of God's word in place in my life, and bring both my thinking and my physical behavior in line, so that I get more of the blessings of God and please them. So here we are, spiritual warfare number four. Okay, how do we fight the battle? So if that's our current state, that's where we're going, etc. You can see some of the the challenges that we've got. All right, some of the challenges that we've got. Well. Let me ask you a question. I'll ask you this question. Who here is a sinner? Any sinners in the room? It's it's an interesting way of viewing self. Now, this is not to condemn you. (laughs) Okay, this is not. Okay. Uh, But actually, if you're a saint, you're not a sinner. If you're a saint, you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, and Christ isn't a sinner. Little pause on purpose. What you might be is a saint, one in Christ. That's what it means, one in Christ. If you're a saint this morning, you're one in Christ. Hallelujah. And now and again I sin rather than I am a sinner. The enemy would love you to believe that you are a sinner and that you can't help it. And that's one of those key things. There's two strategies I wanted to bring out that the enemy uses. He wants us to know better than God. He wants us to work independently from God. He wants us to do the things that actually God doesn't want us to do. Whatever that might be whatever that might be. We've all got temptations in our lives. I covered that, whether it be flesh or thoughts, etc. There's still things coming in line, if that makes sense. But the challenge here is God would like us to be independent of God. That's what he did in, in the Garden of Eden. That's how he tempted Christ when he was going through the temptations in the wilderness. He tried to take him on a route that was independent of God. And actually, that was Satan's own fall, being independent of God. So doing things that... Actually, would it be really bad if I did the lottery? Would it? It's only a little thing, isn't it? Would it? I'm giving you it as a small example. It's a little bit like, oh, I just read the horoscope once. I used to do it. It's all right. Isn't it? Isn't it? No. All right, I'm just making sure you don't think I believe that. All right. But here's the challenge. When we succumb to temptation, and most of us do, he says he's not, <laughs> Scripture tells us he's a liar. So when we do those sorts of things and we do succumb to temptation, whatever that might be, it could be crack cocaine, it could be getting drunk and going sleeping around at the weekend, it could be loads of different things, actually, Uh, Nothing as small as. Hey, sin is sin. There's no measure here. But the challenge for us, that is what the enemy wants us to do. Indulge yourself. You deserve it. Uh Really? And the next thing, when we do succumb to that type of thing, the other thing that Satan wants you to do is feel bad about yourself. He wants you to feel very bad about yourself. He wants you to feel that you are worthless, useless, and separated from God. And in fact, if people really knew what you would like, they wouldn't like you either. That's the enemy talking. That's the enemy talking. That's his warfare. How do we fight that battle? And the starting and ending point is where we started level one. Who am I in Christ? Who am I in Jesus Christ? Actually, I am one in Christ. Um, So Christ is in you. So who's in you this morning? Still is morning. Who is in you this morning? Jesus Christ, the King of Heaven, is in you this morning. So who's in you this morning? I'd like to hear. Who's in you this morning? Some of you haven't quite got there yet. This is exciting stuff. Jesus, the King of Heaven, is in you this morning. Do you know the other lovely thing is that you're clothed in his righteousness. Righteousness. That actually when God looks at you, you are spotless this morning. In fact, not just spotless, you're radiant. Forget washing liquids, all right, that actually shine like white. You are radiant this morning. Father God is looking, Father's Day is looking at you and he's thinking, beloved son and daughter, how I love you. Come, walk with me. No matter what you've been up to, no matter where you've been, you are holy and righteous in his sight today. You are perfect. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and he loves you amazingly this morning. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. He declares it to us this morning. Declares it to us this morning that nothing can separate us. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling persecuted, feelings in one regard are driven by what we believe. What we need to believe this morning is who we truly are in God. The, in this way, we disarm the enemy. In this way, we can stand head held high. We declared that this morning. So, when you're having a look at uh, how he works, he has two key, those key strategies. And uh, what battle do we have over ourselves? I don't know about you. I made a couple of notes, a, a couple of things. Uh, fear and doubt in our lives come from lies so if you've got fear and doubt depression over those things they come from lies sometimes it's lies that we tell ourselves and sometimes it's spiritual warfare because what do i fear when christ is in me what do i fear You know, when you start having a look at, uh, Jesus taught us how to pray. And last time when I did this, we actually did the Lord's Prayer together. But there is a wonderful one-liner. They're all really powerful one-liners in the Lord's Prayer. They just, oh, teach you how to pray. Here we are. It takes you about 30 seconds, and you've covered everything. That's how good God is. His Word is just so refined and dedicated. And in the Lord's Prayer, it says, deliver me from the evil one. All right? He even built it into our daily prayer. Deliver me from the evil one. Well, if he wasn't around, you wouldn't have to, would you? Why did he put it in there? Because there was a need for us. We're worthy of warfare. Why? Because the enemies beat the rest. They're still dead in their sin. What a wonderful prayer this morning that we would see souls saved and people liberated and coming into freedom. So when we start having a look at these strategies and how to overcome them, most of our concerns and real issues in our lives, if I'm waking up in the early hours of the morning, what's causing that? Uh, I was, part of my research for this was actually to re- read uh, Neil Anderson's book, The Bondage Breaker, which is obviously Jesus Christ is the bondage breaker. And one of the things he said, you know, if you're a Christian you know, and you work up it, wake up in the early hours, I wonder what sort of time that is, you know? Anybody wake up in the early hours of the morning? Any of you? Wake up quite regularly? Around about 3 o'clock-ish, something like that? Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, sat- Satanists pray from 12 till 3 o'clock in the morning. Just a, one of those little things. Uh, uh, there's an army out there. They're, they're not nice. all right. And one of the things we need to be doing is thinking, how do I get control of my thoughts so that they come in line with God. Because I can't have a bad self-image or think of myself as worthless when I realise that actually Christ is in me. And I'm loved enough for that amazing sacrifice on the cross that paid for all my sin. Um, One of my challenges this morning was this whole thing about uh, uh, people who have done terrible things. How can God forgive them? and I had a chat with an old work colleague of mine who was a born-again Christian, really nice man, and he said, Paul, one of my real challenges is some of these people who do terrible things, paedophiles, mass murderers, etc., he says, and there's no death penalty. He says, what do you do? He says, I wake up at night, and I think, goodness me, they're getting away with it. I said, no, they're not getting away with it. George, they're not getting away with it. There's a judge in heaven. Right? They're not getting away with it. There's one of two things that can happen. They can come to know Christ and salvation in heaven. Or, or, you can't imagine a punishment worse than the or. Eternity. So let's pray for them to be saved, because actually it's by grace that I've got here. It's nothing I've done. So when we start having a look at how we live our lives and our value systems, if I can think about those who are around me and think about them in the most positive light, then there's a real chance that I might have the same view of myself. In John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we have an enemy who wants to take what we've got, and what you've got is amazing absolutely glorious uh, but actually the enemy wants to come and steal that are we giving the enemy room in our heads to steal it whether you're at work whether you're at school whether you're at college or whether you're in church whether you're in your family christ in you is the one who helps you stand firm he's the one that you get your worth from and he's the one that actually god loves And through him, through you. As we have the power of God in us, he attacks us in the same way he always does, with lies and deception. God has strictly limited the enemy's activity. Even in the Old Testament, you can have a look at Job. Oh my goodness, Job. Have you read Job? Oh, you could get quite depressed with Job. But right at the beginning, Satan's uh, having a chat with God uh, and saying, "Oh, where have you been? I've been roaming all over the earth looking out for people. I can, you know, be horrible to, really. That's what he, That was his job. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, no wonder job, Job's happy. You look after Job. You hedge him in. You look after his family. You look after his goods. You multiply everything. You prosper him. Of course he doesn't fear you. So God gives him a little bit of room to test Job a little bit so that we could see some of the warfare. But Satan couldn't do more than God allowed him. When you have a look at the Old Testament, you have a look at the way Saul was oppressed by a spirit of depression. And only David, full of the Holy Spirit playing to him, could actually give him rest. This warfare has been going on, but one of the things you need to know, whenever God turns up, the war's won. And because you're here this morning, uh, just to finish off with our Ephesians 6, I told you that, I read to you the piece about um, about who the warfare is. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth belted around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flames of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Just a couple of statements about this, really. Uh, we heard the other week about the belt of truth and how your trousers will fall down without your belt. All right? I, I, it's, it, it's one of those things. You think, yeah, it's so true. And actually, our faith fall down, falls down without truth. You know, here we've got this shield of faith. Field of faith in what? In the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Spirit of God which is in you is empowered when we actually bring the Word of God to bear in our lives. It releases the power and the blessings from God. Uh, just, It's really worth, there are so many commentaries and so forth about the full armour of God. And uh, certainly in Neil Anderson's book about how we need to guard our minds. The battle with, with the armour and the shield is to protect us mainly against attack. So how do I behave? So that when the lies come, I can extinguish them with my faith in the word of God. I can apply the truth of God and his view of me and and how righteous and holy he thinks I am. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. In 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We'll have a sound mind in our thinking and our emotions as we keep on sifting the Word of God in our thinking. In uh, James 4 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As we hear about what God wants us to do, am I up to date with my obedience? Why? Because actually, what that does for me is it. Gives me the power to overcome. It gives me the power to overcome. Am I up to date with my obedience? Is God telling me to do something or telling me to stop doing something? It can be just as relevant, you know. Am I up to date with that? And of myself, I cannot resist sin, but with Christ, I can. Those are the things that help us walk free from sin. There were a couple of songs this morning. Uh, <laughs> Lord, Reign in Me was the first song, all right, this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. Because what we're, what we're talking about this morning really is how God reigns in us. How he reigns in our thinking. How he reigns in our behaviour. How he reigns in us. And there were a number of, a, a number of the songs. Um, Are You Bowed Down was was, was the prayer that, that came. And if you're bowed down... One of the things I'd say to you is because you don't see or you're not looking at who you are in Christ. You can't be bowed down when you know you're seated with the King of Kings. You can't be bowed down when you know the price was paid and your beloved died for you. You can't be bowed down when there's a Father in heaven who had a plan for your life forever to prosper and bless you. Prosper and bless you. That's his heart towards us, and anything else really comes from the enemy. So, I wonder where your view is of self today. So that's where where I got to. Uh, fighting the battle it has so much to do with who I am in Christ, and uh, where I want to, where, how I get control of, and filter my thinking and my emotions and my 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 uh, behavior in the midst of that. So uh, I'm going to hand back to Graham uh, and uh, just, I'm going to be hanging around for a while afterwards. So if something has prompted you and you're thinking, I would like some prayer this morning, for whatever it might be, uh, then I'll be down the front um, just uh, to help with that. Okay. Thank you.